did a great job of bringing you the Word of God. Let's continue to turn to Romans chapter 8, if you would. We will begin this quest through this wonderful, wonderful passage. Now, some of you may be a little warm this morning, so you have my permission to slap each other to keep yourself away, because I know what happens when you get too warm and toasty. Seems like one of our compressors has gone off the air conditioning out of the back, which then flips the breaker, and that one doesn't come on either. So uh, we'll get that taken care of tomorrow, where it will be nice and cold next week. So don't fall asleep on me this morning. Okay, this is good things this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Let's begin there. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I want to entitle this sermon this morning, Two Kinds of People. Most of you have heard over your lifetime those little sayings of, there are two kinds of people. You know, it starts with, there are two kinds of people in this world. And then a statement follows describing those two types of people. Uh, for example, a narcissist said this, there are two kinds of people in this world, those who love me and those who haven't met me yet. And along those same lines, Abigail Van Buren, who you know as Dear Abby, if you remember that from days of old, said there's two kinds of people in the world, those who walk into a room and say, there you are. And those who walk in the room and say, here I am. And there are basically two types of people that Mark Twain described. He did a lot of them, but one particularly says this. Two types of people. People who accomplish things and people who claim to have accomplished things. The first group is less crowded. And then one of my favorites is from the great theologian Clint Eastwood in 1966 movie called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He says there are two kinds of people in the world. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. I kind of like that one. Y'all get that in a minute. So, in this way, in this passage this morning, we're going to look and understand that Paul gives us designations of two different kinds of people. And so what we see in verse 5 is a statement of those two designations. First it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their mind on things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on things of the Spirit. So what we have in biblical categories are two different kinds of people. That is it. Those who are born of the flesh and those who are born of the Spirit. Those who are born once and those who are born twice, or as we call it, born again. And Jesus even made this distinction when he talked to Nicodemus, chapter 3. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, how can, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So what we have to understand is this. There's two classes of people designated in the Scripture. Those born once, those born twice, those who are born again. So that's how God sees them. He sees them as saved. He sees them as the lost. So we need to understand this. This is the designation that Paul sets forth concerning the two classes of people from the Scripture. But he also gives a statement of two distinct dispositions of Scripture. Now I want to break this down for you, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the Spirit, those are the dispositions of those individuals. What does it mean to live according to? Those two words mean they are governed by. Professor John Murray, in his commentary on Romans, says these words mean that they live according to a determined the persons concerned as living after the flesh are conditioned by and patterned by the flesh. And in this indication, the flesh means the seat of sin. They are governed by sin. They are under its dominion. That's what Paul is saying in the whole first seven chapters of Romans, that those who are living according to the flesh are under the law. They are under it. They are patterned by it. They are governed by it. Yet when the verse says, they mind the things of the flesh, that word means that it is a mindset. It is a mindset that that person has. Now let me tell you what a mindset is. It's a mental attitude that determines how you will interpret and respond to given situations. That is a mindset. Including in this mindset is not just the capability, reasoning capabilities, but it encompasses the whole person, the faculties of the emotions and the will. They are all under the control of sin and are a pattern of life. So if you look through the scripture, you will find that fallen man is living after the flesh. And if you do a little study of that, go to a, uh, a concordance, you will find that the scripture speaks of deeds of the flesh, desires of the flesh, putting our confidences in the flesh. Those are those things that Paul speaks of. From Paul, we also know the fruits of walking in the flesh from Galatians. Listen to them. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All that was just 
stated from Galatians. Those are what the flesh, the sinful, fallen person will think about. Those are these things. They are the patterns of life. Not only will they think about them, they will do them. And they describe that life that is governed by sin. In other words, it's the mindset of those who have not been born again, the unregenerate. And R.C. Sproul in his commentary on Romans asked this. He said, if we question whether or not we are in the kingdom of God, the first place to look is our mindset. Have you ever doubted your salvation? If you have, look to your mindset. Ask yourself questions. What is the focus of our life? What do we think about all the time? Are we preoccupied with the goals and ambitions and desires and appetites of this world? Sproul says, I'm not asking whether we simply think about these things, but rather what are our minds set on? What is our focus? Apostle John tells us, warns his readers in the second chapter of 1 John. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So how do you know what designation people fall into? What is their mindset? What is their mindset? The question comes, if we want to put this into application, have you questioned whether or not in your life beforehand you are in the kingdom? Have you asked yourself those questions that Paul asked? What is your focus? What do you think about all of that? Are your appetite for the world and the things of the world? The reason I ask this is because I know, specifically having been in ministry for 40 years, over 40 years, people can have a false assurance that they are saved. They ask Jesus into their heart, and over time, there is only an evidence of a worldly pattern of thoughts and a worldly pattern of goals exhibited in their life, but they continue to say, yes, we are saved. Yes, we know it. One such man that had a false assurance was Pastor Josh Bice. He is now pastor of Praise Mills Baptist Church in Georgia. And here's what he states in his own personal testimony on their website. I was a lost church member. I grew up in church. As a boy, my parents were experiencing marital problems, and my grandfather took me to church each week. God bless his grandfather. One day at six years of age, I repeated a prayer after a preacher, and I was told that I was a Christian. I only did what I had witnessed other boys and girls doing, and it was not a genuine act of faith. I had no idea of sin and salvation Christ. From that point forward, I entered the church, was baptized, and lived as a lost church member. I was often miserable. I was in perpetual fight with my flesh about what I truly wanted and what I knew I had to do in order to please the Father. 
It was not until I was 25 years old that the Lord saved me. And at the time the Lord saved me, I was teaching a Sunday school class in our church. Totally fooled into believing that I was right with God because of what I did when I was a young boy. My faith was more connected with the fact that I prayed prayer rather than Jesus suffering in my place. Folks, I have a friend who was in music ministry and serving on the same church staff I was serving on. Only to realize that once he left that church and went to serve as another church and listening and sitting under gospel being preached by a godly pastor, he realized, I'm leading church, but I am not saved. I'm leading worship, but I am not saved. And in his 30s and in the ministry, he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it good that your ministers are saved? I would think so. I would think so. But how many, how many cities across the country, by the way, Billy Graham said that he predicted that 85% of the people in America that sit in American churches are lost. How many people who have prayed a prayer and were declared a Christian but don't know the Lord? That's why Paul says, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Ask those hard questions of yourself. But in this passage, we're also told of another mindset, though. It's the mindset of the saved person. We just described the mindset of the lost person. The mindset of the same, the same person, they are governed by the Spirit of God. And therefore, if they are saved, their mindset is where their passions, desires, affections, and purpose, they're controlled by the Spirit of God. Again, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, the difference of one controlled by the Spirit. Listen to what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So if you have the Spirit of God living in you, you will, you will determine and purpose to live for God because that's the purpose of the Spirit. That He is going to grow you in sanctification. You will love what God loves. You will desire what God desires. Your mind, your will, your emotions will be characterized by the things of the Spirit. And now as we look, verse 6, Paul tells us that the one who is in the flesh has a disposition of death Whereas the one in the Spirit has life and peace. If you look at that deathly disposition, think about this. What, what does that mean? It means that they're dead in trespasses and sin. They have no life in them, no spiritual life. There's nothing but separation from God that results in eternal death. But if you look at the spiritual disposition of it, what it says, they have life first of all. One born of the Spirit will receive everlasting life. 
The Spirit of God has given them life and has given them revelation of God, knowledge of God, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17, verse 3. He says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. Eternal life, you know God. This is your disposition. You have life, but you also have peace. This is tranquility in your heart, knowing there's what Brother Philip preached on last week. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have the peace of God. It's knowing that we have peace with God because we have been justified. Romans chapter 5, where Paul says, You have peace with God because you have been justified. So the disposition, one is death, one is life. Those are those two kinds. Now as we move to the next verses, Paul makes a statement of description for those who are in the flesh. I want you to look at this. Look at verse 7. This is where we are going. Verse 7 and verse 8. Notice what it says in these verses. Here's the description. It says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. So the description of those who are lost is that they are hostile to God. Your translation may say enmity. Enmity is a word that means enemies. They are enemies, and therefore the wrath of God abides on them, according to Jesus in John chapter 3. The wrath of God will abide on them. Now, folks, here's a truth that is often left out of modern Christianity. People hate this. They literally hate this. They think it's terrible. But we've been told for a long time that God loves the sinner but hates the sin. Now, if we tell ourselves that often enough as the truth, we'll begin to believe that it is the truth. However, the Bible says something absolutely different. It says that God abhors the wicked. Psalm 5. Listen, the boastful shall not stand before our eyes. This is what David says of God. You hate all evil doers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. Again, quoting Sproul, he states that God does not send sins to hell. But sinners, why? They hate it. They reject it. Jesus says that they stand condemned because they would not believe in the name of the only Son of God. And so when we look at this and understand it, here is we have hostility towards God, enemies of God. That is what those who walk after the flesh are. They are enemies of God. No, only that. They are described as not submitting to God's laws. In other words, they have no desire for anyone to rule over them. 
Why? Because God's law reveals His holy character and nature, and they want nothing to do with holiness and righteousness. They flee from holiness and righteousness because they have a righteousness of their own, albeit a righteousness that the Bible describes in Isaiah as what? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. But they want to understand, they want to have their own law. In fact, it says in the next part of the verse, they cannot submit to God's law. Listen to what it says. Verse 7, the mind that set on the flesh, hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Now understand this. Why can't they? It's because they don't have the moral ability to do it. That is why. Why? They're dead in their sins. They have a bias towards evil and sin. They willingly and by nature turn towards sin. That is what they do. That's what a lost person does. They turn toward it because it's their nature to do so. Lorraine Bettner in his marvelous book called The Reformed Doctrine of Predestination says this, The inability under which the lost person labors is not an inability to exercise volition or exercise their will. It's the inability to be willing to exercise holy volitions. In other words, if they are dead, they cannot seek after God. That's why Paul in Romans 3 says, there's no one that's good, no, not one. No one seeks God, no one understands why don't they seek God? Because they don't have a disposition to seek after holy things. That's the point. It's been amazing to me over the years that we've evolved in churches to where we went through the age of the 90s and the early 2000s setting up churches for seekers. A category of people that the Bible says does not exist. They don't seek God. What they do seek is benefits from God. And you can see that in the way the teachings are going when you listen to some prosperity and health guys because they're seeking those benefits. They're seeking, quote-unquote, that favor from God. But they are not seeking the holiness of God because they cannot. They are adverse to holiness. Bettner goes on and says, Fallen man is so morally blind that he uniformly prefers and chooses evil instead of good as do the fallen angels or demon. Yet while fallen man thus acts uniformly, he is never compelled to sin. Never compelled to sin. We were up in a time, dear folks, where we had a comedian named Flip Wilson. And he had a little character that I always said, the devil made me do it. Right? The devil made me do it. No. Man is never compelled to sin because of his nature. He does it freely. And he delights in it. He delights in it. John tells us, Jesus tells us about this delight in sin. 
when he said in John 3, 19 through 20. Listen to this. And this is the judgment. Life has come into the world. And people loved, embraced, desired darkness rather than life. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. I heard an illustration like this. Ten people are swimming in a pool. They all start drowning. And a giant hand comes out of heaven and reaches down towards them and it says God's hand. And he said, some people would describe that situation and they would see God is reaching out to rescue them and they all swim towards the hand. Not if they fall. What they do is they see God's hand. They see His holiness. They love darkness rather than light and they swim away or try to get away from God instead of coming to Him. Why? Because they love darkness. They love darkness. Paul says the same thing again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Notice what he says about those in the Spirit. He says their mind is set on the things of the Spirit. Here Paul says the natural person, the unsaved person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly. They are foolish to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So why can't they understand them? Ephesians chapter 4 says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Notice that. They don't want to come to God. They want to practice these things. They have given themselves up to sensuality. And that's why chapter 1 says God, He gave them over to a reprobate or a depraved mind. Here again, He follows up in chapter 8. person in the flesh sets his mind on those kind of things. Jesus stated that same thing. He's talking to Pharisees, religious leaders, John chapter 8. He says, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. That little word bear is added there. In the Greek it says, because you cannot hear my word. A statement of ability. He says, you are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. You see the distinction that Jesus is saying. Again, just like Paul. Those who have their mind set on the flesh, who's their father? 
It's certainly not God. Who is their father? It's the devil. It says your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Folks, I want to tell you something. That is a tremendous indictment right there. They have not heard the words of God. Why? Because they're dead. They're dead in trespasses and sin. Something has to take place in their lives to where they are resurrected. Where they hear the word of God. The point that we need to understand is that I get really scared when someone comes to me that has been a Christian for many, many years and he looks at me and says, Pastor, I've been a Christian for many years but I just don't understand this book. You know what goes off in my mind? Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Why? Because what Jesus just said, whoever is of God hears, understands, knows the Word of God. The reason why you do not hear them, he says, is that you are not of God. That's a dangerous place to be. If we go on, it says they cannot please God. They cannot please God. That's what it says. They cannot. That's another statement of ability. The word means there to be pleasing or to try to make oneself pleasing. They can do all they want to do. Try to obey every law. Try to be quote unquote good people. 